Has 2020 changed the way that you look at your business? Earlier this year, the Black Lives Matter movement was in full swing, and it left a lot of business owners to decide for themselves whether they wanted to address systemic racism in their communities. It was not an easy choice for many people, but for Melissa Farr, it was a very, very easy choice to make. And in the last episode, when I talked to her, I'm going to tell you, I thought we were going to get on a call and geek out about sales and geek out about communities and geek out about marketing. Instead, her energy was in a completely different place. So we ended up spending the entire time talking about how she sees the world in a completely different way. She's a completely changed woman. And I encourage everybody to go back and listen to how humble this uh, this has all made her and how it has changed her business from the inside out. So you can go back and listen to the last episode for the full interview, but this is the companion episode. I release these episodes every Thursday to teach you three things that our guest from the last episode did very right in her business and you should be doing in yours. So welcome to the companion episode for the Melissa Farr interview. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while baking an Apple iPie, that's not a thing, um, I would hope that you would go over to the review section, leave a five-star review, and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. This is The Global Phenomenon with Ina Kovany, the podcast where the self-made teach you to stop waiting to be discovered and prepare to be found. And before we get started with the teaching, let's answer some of your questions. To ask me a question, go to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com, submit your question in there, and I will answer it on the air. This first question comes from Beth Turley Hill. You can find her at facebook.com slash designs. Her question is, can I be my own ideal client? So this is something that we all face when we're starting our businesses because we haven't really worked with enough people to know who is the kind of person that we would love to serve. So because we have overcome whatever it is that we help other people overcome, we think of ourselves as our ideal client, right? That's when I first started my business, that's exactly the way I saw myself. I was making websites on the side and making a little bit of money, and I had also just had a baby. So I thought to myself, well, I'm my own ideal client because I just had a baby and I want to stay home and I want to make money from home so I don't have to go into the office. So I'm going to teach other women who just had a baby how to make websites so that they can also stay home with the kids. Turns out, nobody really wanted that. <laughs> that was not a thing. That, that was just not the kind of people I was meant to serve. And it wasn't until I did market research, until I started asking people the questions, what is it that you want to do and how can I help you, is when it started to really morph into something new, something exciting, something that I couldn't just think about just sitting in my office and staring at a computer screen, right? So... I strongly suggest that even if you see yourself as your ideal client because you're currently going through uh, some things that your clients are going through or you've already overcome the things that you're helping your clients overcome, it's extremely important that you get the 360 picture, that you really get the full picture for how do they describe their struggle. You know how you used to describe it, but the truth is 
because you have overcome that thing that you help people overcome, you are no longer your ideal client. And you know how I know that? Because you would not currently sign up to work with someone like you at this stage in time. You probably would have signed up to work with someone like you five years ago or two years ago or maybe even five months ago, right? But right now, you wouldn't sign up to work with someone like you because you've already overcome whatever it is that you help people overcome. So no, you're not your current ideal client. It's possible that you were at some point and that relate relatability is actually really important. That's what's gonna give you credibility, all right? So I'm not saying that, you know, having been your ideal client is not important. It's great because you can tell your audience, I was there where you are and I can help you. But it's not the thing that is going to serve as market research. So go out there, talk to people who match your criteria for who an ideal client would be and ask them the questions. Ask them, how do you describe the struggle you have right now? What have you done to fix it? If you haven't done anything to fix it, how are you mitigating it right now? How are you dealing with it? Have you ever thought of working with someone to help you through this? Have you already worked with someone to help you through this? How did that go? How much did it cost? These are all the questions that there is no way you would know the answer to by sitting on a computer screen and writing down your story. So I really hope that is helpful and if you have any follow-up questions, you know we have a Facebook group. You can always come and ask us there, theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. Go over there and ask us more questions. The next question comes from Rose Guthrie. You can find her at rosydoesdigital.com. And this is her question. How can I make my offer stand out when there are other more popular services that offer something similar? Okay, this is something that is more of a, mindset plus messaging question than you might think. So the first mindset adjustment that we need to make in this question is, hey, there are other more popular services. So why would anybody buy from me? So I feel like step one is to rephrase the question entirely. It's not to say, hey, if there's other people out there doing this, how, how am I going to get people to notice me? That's That shouldn't be a factor. And I'm going to tell you why. We have been trained to believe by Facebook, by the fact that we're always getting hammered with ads, that services that we provide are always available there by other people, by other services, and the market must be saturated because there are so many people out there who do the same thing that we do, right? That is not true. <laughs> that is just a factor of us getting spammed by marketers because we are in that field. I assure you there's somebody out there who does not see any ads for health coaches at all <laughs> because they've never visited a website that has anything to do with health. They've never clicked on anything that has anything to do with health. So in their mind, health coaches are just not a thing. They don't exist. You have physical trainers at the gym, but that's pretty much it. So the market can't be saturated if we haven't reached the point where there is no more clients, where there are no more clients for your niche or for your product. So that is a first mindset adjustment that we have to make. And to realize that there are still plenty of people out there who could use your services and they want it and they crave it and they would buy it right now if it was put in front of them. So once you believe that wholeheartedly, this question changes a little bit. Instead of it being, hey, how do I stand out when the market is saturated, when there are other people doing this, right? What we have to ask ourselves is, how can I get my ideal client 
to understand through our marketing that this is exactly the right thing for them because that's really all it takes. It's not a competition. There will always be other marketers. It doesn't matter how saturated you think the market is. There will always be other people trying to get the attention of your ideal client. So the only way that you can ever stand out is if your offer is so specific and it is so valuable that they cannot ignore you. So if this will take a little bit of studying, by the way. Take all those more popular services that you think exist out there and who are targeting your ideal client and study their marketing. Who are they targeting? Who are they speaking to? What pictures do they have in their ads? That will be really telling as to what demographic they're going after. And then ask yourself, do I offer exactly the same thing to the exact same people? If the answer is yes, it's time to niche down just a little bit more because I don't want you to be like everybody else, right? Even though it's totally possible for two people to have the exact same offer, it's very rare because as marketers, what makes us special is how unique we are, how our life experiences have shaped what we have to offer. So it's actually very rare when two marketers have exactly the same product. We're not selling water bottles here, right? So you need to look at yourself and say, what makes me unique and attractive to my ideal client? So uh, if I could just take an example. So for example, Rose has a product that is a stock photo, right? So the question would be, how can I possibly compete with iStock photo? The, the answer, Rose, is that you can't iStock Photo. I subscribe to iStock Photo. I'm already paying $40 a month for iStock Photo. And the reason I pay is because I can't find the kind of variety of photos that I could, I, I can't find that anywhere. The only place I've been able to find it is on iStock Photo. Even if there are a million free services out there for stock photography, I still subscribe to iStock Photo. So no, you can't compete at the same level as them unless you have that kind of inventory. So what would make me buy your product? If it was super specific to me, because iStock photo is not specific. I can find pictures there for healthcare. I can find pictures there for like iconography and graphics and backgrounds. It is not specific. But if you were to tell me right now, Rose, that you have a product that is, these are the images that have helped all of these entrepreneurs convert in their ads. I don't care if you have 10, 50, or a hundred pictures in there. It's not going to be millions of photos like iStock Photo has, but I would totally sign up. If you can tell me, here are all of the ad photos that have converted at least 50% for all of these entrepreneurs. That is one example of a place that is offering stock photos, but now it's become so valuable that it distinguishes itself from I stuck photo from the other offerings. So what is it about your offer that can be so specifically targeted to your client that it doesn't matter what other marketing they get, they are drawn specifically to yours. Think about that for a minute. And if you have any follow-up answers, you know where to find us. And for everybody, this is so fun for me to answer these questions. So if you have any questions for me, go to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com, submit your question. I will answer it on the air. Are you ready to learn three things that our guest was doing very, very right. More after this little sound. All right, ready to learn? Let's start with number one thing that Melfar is doing very right in her business and you should start doing right now. Number one, 
letting her personality shine through. So she told us right there in the call that she faced the same struggles and the same insecurities that you and I do, right? Are people really going to like me? Everybody has always told me that I am too much. You guys, I totally relate to that, okay? People telling me that I'm just way too out there, that I got to tone it down, that I... All of those things have happened to me. So what are some things that people have been telling you since you were little? People have been giving you feedback on this at work in every annual review. What are those things that people keep feeding into your brain that tell you, this is why people don't like you? Those things bubble up in our business and they have no business being there. But we can't help it. We are human. We listen to all that feedback, as ill-advised as it is, and we want to adjust we want to change, we want to match exactly what they tell us to do, what they tell us to be. And Mel had to discover this just like all of us. And she started to discover it quickly when she realized things were just falling flat. She wasn't being herself. And it was, it took her spouse, a supportive person in her life to say, I love you just the way you are. I'm sure everybody else is going to love you that way too. And that's when she started to loosen up a little bit. Like, okay, let me be myself and see what happens. And that's when things started to really change for her. So even if you don't know, quote unquote, who you are in the online space yet, it's time to start figuring that out. And the only way to figure that out is to actually take a risk, to put yourself out there to be vulnerable. And I am going to be completely honest, I have struggled with the concept of vulnerability because just like Mel, I am extremely type A. I need the one, two, three. I need the strategy. I have a logical and pragmatic mind. So when it comes to figuring out my personality and being vulnerable and coming here and telling you things that are happening as they're happening, that's been really hard for me. That has been almost like trying to be somebody else, trying to be almost woo-woo, right? When really vulnerability, all it means is honesty, is not caring so much, not being so calculating about what I'm putting out there and what is the outcome of that thing. Instead, treating the online world and people who follow you as if they were already part of your life, which is what has made it even easier for me to just go live in my group is, is understanding that people will unsubscribe. I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, right? And that is okay. That is perfectly fine because I just want to be a magnet for attracting people who like my energy, right? Trust me, if you're a magnet and the things coming at you are not also magnetized by you, they're just going to go away. They're just going to drop off and that is fine. I just want to capture everybody who can relate to everything that I'm putting out there and who like my personality. Because why would you ever sign up to work with me if you don't like all of this, right? So I think it's really, really important for you to start to think about how to let loose a little bit. And this, again, this doesn't mean trying to be someone else. This doesn't mean, hey, it works for Ina to just hit live without really having an agenda and just talk to her audience, right? But if that's not really comfortable for you, then what is? Is it writing? Is it letting your humor shine through? What is that thing? And I think you already know. As soon as I say this, you're going to know it in your gut. What is that thing that you have stopped yourself from sharing online because you're afraid that it's not going to be, it's not going to appeal to everybody? Now, you know, let's let's lower the bar a little bit. Let's, let's not talk about things that are overtly offensive, 
or inappropriate, right? But do you have a little piece of, bit of humor that you feel like, eh, not everybody's going to get it, right? Like, you guys, I make references to Frasier a lot. And I don't care if anybody, like if people don't get them, but I get them. I know what they are. I know when I say them. I am delighted when I do. It makes me laugh. And I'm still waiting for somebody in my audience to catch me on a Frasier reference. And they haven't yet. But that's not going to stop me from just injecting my humor in there because one day I'm going to have that audience member who has watched all 11 seasons of Frasier 10 times like I have, and they're going to get me. So what is that thing that you're not doing because you're afraid that people are not going to get it? What is that thing? And I would challenge you to do one of those things today and just see how it feels, regardless of whether anybody comments on it, right? How does it feel to just put a little bit of yourself out there, even though you were so afraid of doing that yesterday? How would that feel? Melissa Farr has been doing this a very long time. And that is how she has been able to perfect how she puts herself out there. And she continues to evolve and change and let her audience in on it. So you don't have to give everything away. In fact, one of the things that impresses me most about Melissa Farr is that she's very honest with her audience. If you were to see the video that she posted in her group when she told everyone that she was moving to Colorado, it went something like this. Hey guys, I am moving to Colorado. It's really hectic. You'll see the changes that are coming up in the business. I'm not going to tell you why I'm moving to Colorado just yet. I'm keeping that to myself for now, but I will communicate it at some point later. So as you can see, she still keeps her boundaries. She doesn't have to tell everything to everybody. And she enforces those boundaries and she will put them right there for you to see them. But she is so open with her community that they know exactly what they get when they sign up to work with her. So that should be you. I challenge you. One thing that you have not been wanting to share, share it now and see how it feels. Number two, be an agent for change. This was one of the things that impressed me the most about my conversation with Mel. And it's that I thought we were going to come and have a conversation about sales, that we were going to geek out about launches. Oh my God, I was dying to ask her, what was your first launch like? Do you remember when you hit the million dollar mark? I wanted to ask her all these questions. Instead, I have to tell you, I, I couldn't in good faith ask those questions because I could see her through the Zoom and I could see their energy and everything she was saying, you could hear it. If you go back to the interview, you could hear it sprinkled throughout the interview, how she was saying that the way that the world is in 2020 is making her think about things, think about things differently. You can hear that sprinkle through the interview to the point that we only had like five minutes left and I'm like, I need to bring this up. What's up with that? Why have you been sprinkling this? It seems like it's been, it's really affected you. Uh, this entire conversation, like how, how the country is divided, how, um, you know, we are all trying to do the right thing online in our communities to be inclusive and to understand everybody else's plight. And that seems to have affected you. And immediately she teared up, like you could see it in her energy. So 
I was not about to ask her about sales when I could see that there was something happening inside of her and that wanted to come out. That that And she was so graceful at letting us know all of that. Even though we had like five minutes left, she let us in to what was going on in her mind. And the truth is that as soon as you have an audience of one, you have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to be true to yourself and to make sure that everyone around you is meeting a certain standard. And for her, it's very important to speak out about, you know, against racism, against discrimination. Um, she said it many times in the interview how she feels like she's a privileged white woman who had no excuse, <laughs> right? That's why she's successful because she had so many advantages. And she has that so present in her mind that she had to say it right away, right? As leaders, we are agents for change. So don't underestimate the power that you have when you have a captive audience. Always be telling them how you expect the world to be so that they can meet your standards and therefore make a better world. And that is what Mel is focusing on right now. And you could tell that she's in the in process, right? She's still trying to figure all this stuff out. But she wasn't afraid to speak out about it. And that is vulnerability. Do not wait until everything is perfect for you to give your important message to the world. Let's move on to number three, which is about sales. Um, and this is one thing that we actually didn't get to talk about, but it's something that I need you to know about Mel. And that is that she is known for being an incredibly profitable saleswoman. And I really wanted to ask her about this. Maybe I will have her back on the podcast just to talk about this because it is uncanny. It is incredible how she performs sales. And in my research, as I was looking up past podcast interviews with her and see what she has said before so that I don't ask her the same questions over and over again, she was talking about how on a sales call, it should not be, it should never feel like you're baiting and switching someone. It should never feel like, oh, let's talk like friends and see what you have going on. And then at the end, I'm going to tell you, oh, this is how you're going to work with me, right? It's like, wait, what? Is This was a sales call? We didn't really know. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, my first coach that I got, I didn't know I was on a sales call with her and I bought, right? So it's not necessarily that there's one way to do things, right? Many people are very successful just getting on a call and then seeing what happens, right? I have been on sales calls where I'm selling something and I end up signing up for the other person's program, right? You never know what's going to happen in a conversation. So you, oh, you always welcome a conversation. But she has this, she, she said this in a, in a past interview where in her case, she has made it a point to not get on a call unless the purpose of the call is very clear. That person should know that they're about to talk to you about signing up to work with you. So she makes that very clear in the beginning of the call. And I am actually going to put a link to that interview in the show notes so you can go back and watch her talk about sales because it's really incredible. And um, after watching that, I was actually influenced by what she said. And just a little 
a couple hours later, I get a message from someone on LinkedIn who said, completely cold message, who said, hey, um, and so, he said something really personal about me. Uh, like, hey, I loved your um, interview with this other person. I wish I knew you back when I wanted to get out of corporate. Um, you know, I love that energy that you have. Would you like to get on a call and see how we can help each other out? So I know what a sales call looks like. I know what cold calling looks like. Nobody has a cold calling process for making friends, um, let alone collaborations. So I, empowered by what I learned from Melissa Farr, just in that one interview that I'm going to put the link in the comments to, um, I felt empowered to say, I don't want to get on a call if he thinks this is a sales call and I don't think this is a sales call. So I replied, and I'm going to read it to you so that you can see exactly what I said back. And I felt so good about it afterwards that I really wanted to bring this up to Mel. We just didn't have time. But I said, hi, so-and-so. Thank you so much for the kind words and the warm reach out. I'm trying something new. Before I get on a call, I like to know the purpose so that we can both feel like it was a win-win. At the moment, I'm not looking for counseling. At this point, I had already looked him up. I saw that he was part of this coaching agency. Um, I said, at this moment, I'm not looking for counseling. So if this feels like a sales call, sales call to you, perhaps we can touch base when I'm in the market for some. However, if you're looking to find ways to collaborate together, I'm always up for meeting cool people to do cool stuff with. Let me know. I think the clarity will help us both. And his response, he totally could have just ignored it and be like, okay, this person is not going to buy from me. So whatever. He responded, absolutely love your response and now want even more to speak with you. And he went on to explain, no, I just want to get to know you to see if we can help each other. And yes, we'll talk about our services and, you know, see what happens there. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This may very well end up being a case where I sign up for his services, which, by the way, I don't need. So I don't expect to be signing up for his services at this point in time. But now we both understand that he's not about to be friends with me for 15 minutes and then try to sell me something. And I felt so good about giving that response. And that was purely from the empowerment that I got from Melissa Farr's stance on sales calls. You got to listen to that interview because it's going to be amazing. So, um, and I, I'll probably have Mel back just to talk about sales. So one thing that she's doing very right is that she knows how to sell. She doesn't get on a sales call unless they both know, both parties know, hey, you're here to find out about working with me, right? And that way, it's a completely different conversation than just getting on the phone with someone who's a potentially ideal client and you don't even know if you can help them or not. So that is something that I have learned from her. It's something she does extremely well in her business. In fact, she teaches this stuff. So go and follow Melissa Farr, learn everything you can about sales. That is exactly the right place to be. So how did that feel? Do you feel like you walked away with a little bit more of an insight with something new to do in your business? Or maybe you're ready to step out there as a leader in this moment of history, in this moment of social change in our history. Next week, we have the amazing, the original global phenomenon, Lauren Elise 
love coach for coaches who's going to come and talk to us about her journey. And I call her the original global phenomenon because she was my first exposure to what is possible in the online world. So I'm going to geek out a little bit and be super fun girl with her next week. But I'm going to ask her about really, really juicy lessons that we can all learn from her online presence and being the amazing coach and vulnerable person that she is. So make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss the interview with Lauren Elise Love on Monday. And if you have a question for the next companion episode, don't forget to go to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com, submit your question, and I will answer it on the air. I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Global Phenomenon with Ina Kobeny. Join the conversation inside the Facebook group at theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. Listen to new interviews every Monday and learn with a companion episode every Thursday. This podcast was created by Ina Coveney, music by Jared LaBelle, and this was the voice of Kip Clark.